Hi everyone and welcome to this podcast. We are hosting a, a leadership and management podcast series featuring CDE of the Year recipients and today's podcast is part of that series. My name's Jan and I'll be your host today. And I would like to introduce Heike Krauss who is the 2021 Queensland CDE of the Year winner. This award is given to leading CDEs to acknowledge their extraordinary contributions in the community of people with diabetes and diabetes education. Heike has been a registered nurse for 34 years with a diploma in comprehensive nursing studies and a specialisation in diabetes education and management. Since 1999, Heike has worked as an ADEA CDE working full-time in tertiary quaternary level healthcare organisations, maintaining ADA member involvement at state and national levels. She's been the New South Wales and Queensland State Conference Organising Chairs, Program and Finance Officer, Chair of State and National Conferences, and collaboratively involved in a variety of state and national diabetes-specific development papers, guidelines, programs and policies. These state executive positions engage to high-level organisation, communications, budgeting and financial management skills, leading her to become an industry liaison and CDE career support. The supportive mentoring and industry relationship she encountered culminated in her becoming an ADA board member from 2013 to 2018 and ADEA Finance Officer with, from 2015 to 2018. Her highest priority remains individualised support of adults with diabetes for empowered management, education and care. I'm honoured to be nominated amongst many worthy peers, though my nomination as Queensland CDE of the Year for 2021, I will continue to promote the individual empowerment approach for diabetes self-management. Technology is significantly beneficial for self-managed solutions. However, it's not as powerful as the underlying personal, psychological, social and emotional resilience that managing diabetes requires. So hello, Heike, how are you today? And it's lovely to catch up with you, I might add. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. Uh, Jan, I'm the best I've been for quite a long time. I really am. And I do hope that with all the difficulties there has been down uh, in the southern states, uh, all you and your family are well too. Yes, thank you. Um, before we do go on, I'd just like to put a, my terminology um, into a little bit of context. Um, I don't feel I work with consumers. They don't consume me, my time or my resources. I am an RNCD. I'm here to care and support. People with diabetes in our service, they're not clients. I don't provide a business relationship. Um, I'm a traditionalist in some respects, and this is one. Um, they are my patients. I work on inpatient wards and outpatient clinics. Um, they have patience and persistence in their journeys with diabetes. And most importantly, they've got patience and persistence with my therapeutic relationship that, that certainly can be fallible. Two steps forward, one step back so very often sidesteps, wrong turns, but it's always an ongoing journey. Thank you for that. I can certainly relate to that. Thank you for that. So, Heike, what I might uh, ask you firstly is what made you want to pursue a career in diabetes education? 
I wish it was a, a very sort of um, high-standing one. <laughs> um, but it was many years ago, the grey-haired nurse, as I am now, as <laughs> on and a medical, heavier medical ward as they can be. I had a huge imag- admiration for this lady's her care, her compassion, and she had the highest of patient respect, whether she was changing wet sheets or setting up an insulin infusion. And those, those were the days of, remember, calculating the drop rate. Mm-hmm. But that day, I had an epiphany. I saw her down the end of the long ward, and I knew that I did not want to be in her position at the same age. Same time, same ward. We had a rather gorgeous and glamorous nurse. She was doing the UTS diabetes course at the time. It was a course I could afford financially and I was curious enough to put the time into it. And this harked back to an incident during my diabetes endocrine module as a student. There was a student complaint against a tutor and I actually had to advocate for the tutor who was doing exactly what I believe tutors should do. She was encouraging independent thinking and self-determined learning and discipline. The UTS course at that time was all and more for my curiosity. And Jan, you were actually one of those course teachers and facilitators. It had nursing and education disciplines. It was a true holistic and creative approach to care. Once stepped into this journey as a diabetes educator, it was then my mentors, formal and informal, all the CDs exhibiting that same passionate (coughs) care and respect for their patients. I still often cannot believe the joy, the deep satisfaction of the professional nursing career that I really landed in by pure serendipity. Thanks, Heike. Gosh, I can remember those days well. (laughs) Remember the little little house? I saw, sure do. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. So what? That was was another part of it, actually. That was Mm -hmm. the care was not in the hospital clinical setting. That's right. That's a big part of it, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I guess in, you've obviously been in, in the business for, for a long time, but what's your most impactful memory or association with diabetes in that time? Uh, there are so many, so many impactful memories, and I think that's why I'm still in the, in the business. <laughs> um, <laughs> they all provide ongoing learning, insightful awareness, Um, but it's all about the patient journey, engagement, and that relationship. The one time, and it is absolutely seared into my memory, where I got it really wrong in that initial meeting. That first impression you give as a health professional, your approach, your language, your ability to connect. Look, you're never going to be the right health professional for everyone you come across, but there was this particular time where it could have been good, but because of my approach, it was not ever going to be. And it was the reason, I believe, in the result of a complete disengagement from diabetes care that had a profound effect on the person's future health. Thankfully, those are very few. (laughs) The others are all those really amazing, very, very humbling journeys where I still believe, and it always gives me goosebumps when I, I, I try to explain this, the utmost privilege we have of walking the life journey with people with diabetes. The people, the young woman, a new immigrant, non-English speaking, new Aussie husband who didn't speak her language, her first week in Australia was a week in ICU with a new diagnosis of type one. 
working with an interpreter um, to learn all the initial things she needed to know and then that ongoing journey. She's now a mature woman with a caring career and a happy mum. The gentleman who was off the streets, met him in the homeless drop-in centre over a conversation map, despite his circumstances, completely engaged to do the best he possibly could to manage his diabetes, always coming into clinics, came with a daily newspaper to chat about the front page along with his blood glucose levels and the insulin doses. Another gentleman, chronic depressive state, same issues every session. This has gone on for a couple of years. With the, his, his diabetes self-management would all be sold if he had a wife. I was hearing this again and again. There was a little daily pad calendar in front of me with a little thought of a homily and homily for the day from Sarah Henderson. If you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, stride down there yourself and light the damn thing yourself. I sat there, I, I tore this page off and said, this is your prescription until my next appointment with you. There were a few long, slow seconds of silence and I was thinking, uh-oh, I think there's going to be a complaints report here. And then he laughed. He <laughs> took that little strip of paper and he walked out. <laughs> it did make a little difference for a short while, um, but yeah. The very first education session with my mentor and the enlightenment of how the picture can tell, the, uh, tell a story more than a thousand words can. It was a little sort of pictogram explanation of the pathophysiology which you could convert to type 1, type 2, anything. It's a technique that I still use today. And of course all my fabulous collegial teams across all my diabetes roles, they are the most amazing people. They are constantly um, inspiring and provide that impact that helps me along, sharing the understanding of all that roller coaster journey that we have. Thanks, Heike, for that. I'm wondering what in all your long career, what was your biggest professional hurdle or obstacle and, and how did you overcome this? Yeah, this is um, burnout. We talk about mm. it, how patients burn out, and we can too, and I did. How did I overcome it? Um, and it was a hurdle, it was an obstacle. We're carers, we don't burn out, we have to keep going. Um, but we do. How did I overcome it? It was allowing that self-care, that compassion. I took a time out, solitary holiday walking all along the south coast of WA. I spent time only with the closest people where I could truly be myself. I did yoga, I found a really good counsellor and I did all the things that we discussed with our um, patients and our clients. Really stuck to the healthy eating, activity that I really enjoyed, cut out the alcohol, reduced the caffeine. We can be so hard on ourselves and it took a long time to me to actually come to that awareness and reach the point of where, yeah, I had to look after myself to be able to look after anybody else. The other thing which basically then now keeps me well and happy um, is in finding that special magic thing that happens in the day, looking for that positive. Sometimes it's the smallest of experiences. Finally, when you get out the door feeling the soft breeze on your skin, the smile of greeting from a familiar face in the waiting room, the bird call from the hospital rooftop, just 
little things, but searching for it every day and knowing that it's there. It's, it's a benefit of hindsight, isn't it, when we experience an ex, um, burnout. I think it's a real problem that people don't always acknowledge. So thank you for that. Harkett, have you encountered naysayers while working on a program or a project? And if so, how did you keep motivated in doing that? Yeah, the naysayers. Mm. They can be very persistent. Often it's the bureaucratic and the management naysayers. And actually they were the basis pretty much of my burnout. Not mm. my patient, not my role or my responsibilities in that role. It really, how did I keep motivated? It really is knowing and keeping to that foundation focus. I am a CDE. What do I do that is patient empowerment? Finding support, fostering those relationships, speaking up and holding ground, keeping things to dot point facts when necessary. It does take being brave and sure, but knowing that always you have your patient focus helps you to be brave and sure, because it's not about you, it's about them. But also it's learning, and it took me a long time this, to choose the fight. Knowing when you must stand and speak, where your code of conduct cannot, must not be compromised, despite you may get directives direct to the contrary. But there are also times where it's actually okay to fly under the radar, where just keep on doing what you're doing, keep your head low. Thanks for that. And having that team around you always, yeah, those people that you know you can be yourself with. Absolutely. Thank you for that insight. I, I, I'm very well aware of this one. Next question since uh, my retirement, so I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. We know that Derby's care and management's changed over the last few decades. Um, and in your experience, what's made the biggest impact, do you think, in the quality of life of people living with diabetes? Uh, look, I am not a techie, but my goodness, <laughs> the technology and linking that with patient-centred education is an absolute game changer. It's really specifically the CGMS and flash monitoring. People with diabetes absolutely get insulin requirement for life sustainability and long-term health. But the finger pricking are and were still a loathing, a hate, an infuriation. The movement away from diabetes management being focused on medical decision-making to personal decision-making, that has been a change over the past 30 years. I think one of the most important roles that ADA and the partnership with ADS and Diabetes Australia has today is lobbying and advocacy at that federal level that we can get that technology subsidised and funded for everybody with diabetes. The other really important thing is that knowledge and understanding of behavioural research, research into building and developing that psychological resilience. I think they're the things that have really come through in, I think, yeah, look, ever since the role of diabetes educator started, that's where that shift from that patient, that from medical to patient-centred management started. I really think diabetes educators were front and foremost. So thank you, Jan, and all those 
founders of um, the Diabetes Education Association. Yeah. Oh, thank you but for that. The research we have too into yeah building resilience. Yeah, absolutely, and it's interesting um, in the, this series of podcasts, people have, have had very similar responses to that question. So thank you for, for mm. your insights in particular. So what advice would you give to someone new in their career or looking to pursue a role in leadership or management or starting a new program or even beginning their own practice? Again, it was a CDE, I think, that um, someone who had a, a huge amount of respect for, she said, um, <laughs> failure is piss poor planning. Excuse my language. That <laughs> 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 is, have a plan. <laughs> know and be true to yourself in working towards your plan. But you need to be prepared to be resilient and open to reconstruction in opportunities and the needs of your plan. Seek out those who've been before. Um, those that you respect will listen and hear and respond honestly, that real constructive critique. And this has been a huge learning for me. I'm by nature pretty solitary and a bit of an independent. So learning to trust that some, well actually lots of people, many, many people want to help you succeed are really happy and willing to share their skills and knowledge and experience. Say yes to those opportunities when people ask you, like being involved at state and national level. It stretched and it made me uncomfortable, the experience that they had, I had on committees and the boards, but they enabled me so much. They taught me so many skills, different ways of listening, discussions to reach consensus, corporate structures, governance, management, finance. There are ways of thinking and behaviour that have also I've been able to put into the management aspects of my CNC role now. You'll meet those people who've been there before. And always when you give, you are going to receive so much more. Okay. So just leading on from that, what do you think are the characteristics every leader should possess? And are, are there any characteristics that you feel can be detrimental for a leader? Leadership comes, I feel, from being able to listen with the intent to hear and understand, not with the intent to respond. Leadership is like being in a small boat. You steer from the rear. You paddle from the middle within the team. And believe me, I am an absolute constant work in progress with these skills. I think leadership also requires curiosity. Always be curious. Don't fear being the one to ask the silly question or as that little childhood fable, Aesop's fable I think it is, be the one to point out, the emperor's naked, the emperor doesn't have any clothes. Um, and that's part of asking that silly question too. Pointing out, well, hold it, this seems a bit too obvious to me, I'm not, is it? Really? Um, where am I seeing this? Is there something that isn't there? Um, the detrimental is, I think, believing is that leading is being at the front, being always visible, always being foremost, and the not asking the silly questions, believing that, yes, I know this, or feeling, oh, I'm going to be shown up to be silly if I ask this question. Never fear. Never fear that silly question or being curious. Thank you for that. 
And finally, if you won the lottery tomorrow, how would your professional life change, do you think? Um, <laughs> oh, what a wonderful thought. Um, <laughs> at this precise, absolute precise moment, I have gone part-time and it is a joy. So I don't think it would at this precise moment. But I would take a period of pondering, and depending on the size of the lottery windfall, I would consider commencing a postgrad diploma, masters, whatever, in podiatry. Mm. I like feet. Mm. And yep. diabetes is such, or can be, such a preventable devastation for feet. And it's really distressing. So, yeah, I'd like to expand in following your feet. Always fascinates me when people have a fascination of feet. <laughs> not one that I had, I have to confess. <laughs> no, not many people do. <laughs> They're pretty remarkable things. Yes, well, where would we be without them? That's for yeah. sure. Well, thank you so much for, for your time today, Heike. And that's actually all the questions I have for you. But before we conclude this conversation, do you have any take-home messages for our listeners? Oh, very simple. Your patients, the clients, the consumers, they will always be the best teachers throughout the diabetes career. Uh, look for that little bit of magic that will always be there every day. And honestly, the most enormous thank you to all those I have met and have enabled my CD career, my patients and my colleagues. Thank you. Heike, thank you. It remains a privilege. Heike, thank you once again. It really has been great to catch up with you again today. And I'm sure this podcast has uh, inspired our listeners. And thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. To obtain your CDE credit for the podcast, please log on to the ADEA Learning Management System at learning.com.au. So until next time, goodbye and thank you.